Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to in a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment, but all from the coalface. Information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. So welcome again to the Coffee Break podcast from the Million Pound Villa. Today, I'm going to talk about two topics that have come up this week um, that have hit the mark for me and something I think could benefit you guys out there in your quest for a million pound year. They're two things that are linked and perhaps maybe give you some opportunities that are outside of your normal zones to improve your fees and even look at some new markets for your products. Topic one today is going global. I made a decision 13 or 14 years ago that I would start to focus on international recruitment. And for the last four years of that period, I've been living and working abroad. But for by far the majority of the period, I was actually selling globally, but while still based in the UK. I did it initially as I was getting more and more fed up with the race to the bottom in the UK. There were increasing numbers of clients and agencies who would simply try to deal at any price. The market was simply first come, first served. If you spent time qualifying a candidate and then sent them, you'd often lose out to the same candidate as another agency had just sent the CV and then would retro-qualify candidates if and when the client came back to them. I get the impression that the market hasn't changed much in the last decade, and if anything, it's gotten worse with more and more clients and agencies engaged in a fruitless race to the bottom. So I decided that path wasn't for me. I enjoyed working with my clients to solve their issues, working with candidates to get them the best role, and generally getting paid good fees for doing a good job on all sides. I felt the UK market wasn't going to let me do that and be as profitable as I would like to, so I started looking at places that would give me that option and looked overseas. Since moving into international recruitment, I found a number of things. First among them is that there are still clients who respect the process and are willing to pay for it. There are also clients in countries where higher fees and retained fees are the norm, not the preserve of the ultra-high-end search firm. I've also noticed that UK recruitment consultants and our skills travel very well. There is nowhere I've been internationally that I haven't met a British person delivering recruitment. So if they can do it, why can't you? I would also note, over the decade of recruiting internationally, I've seen many other benefits, such as being able to visit places in the world that many only dream of going to paid for by my client or my work. I've met and I got to know hundreds of thousands of people from different cultures and regions and different backgrounds. And many of them are now my friends who I can call on if I'm ever in that country. Great if you're thinking about going on a holiday somewhere and you can call up somebody and get the tips at the top from somebody that lives there. I also have an amazing number of life experiences, both good and bad, that shape where I am today. That's not to say I wouldn't have had similar experiences in the UK, but the ones you have in foreign climes seem more exciting Many agents I speak to like the idea of international business, but simply don't know where to start. So let me explain how I did it. The first thing I did was look at the sectors I was working in and started to look at the CVs of the candidates I was working with 
and see which candidates were working overseas and where. In my case, many seemed to have stints in the Middle East. So I started to call some of them and have a chat about their experience and what it was like, plus how they got their jobs and who they worked for. Surprisingly, many were quite forthcoming, and I got some real insights and even a couple of roles out of the chat. In the main note, I got good information about the scope and size of the market and some of the main companies. I then followed up with much the same as you would do if you're looking at a market in the UK. I started to look for key managers or contacts. I started to find that many of the companies I was working with, even some of those who in the UK would be off limits behind huge PSLs and supply chains, I was able to have direct conversations with senior managers about their plans and needs, which I was then able to speak about because I got information off my candidates that I could respond back to the clients with. So that gave me an in and some roles. And then I followed up on that by looking at some key set piece events in my target market. For me, it was things like the Dubai Air Show. I then planned a trip around that event, aimed to spend a week in country and try and meet as many people and open up as many new roles as I could. I even tagged on a few extra days as a working holiday to get a better feel for the place and so that I could sell it to candidates. Not a bad when you get a few days of holiday in Dubai and get paid for it. The key message is that if they're done well, the traditional methods of work to get new roles and open new clients work well internationally, and they can easily be done from the UK. A few words of warning to note though. Firstly, payment. The main concern on any role is getting paid, and this is possibly the biggest risk on international work, as any UK terms of business will be unenforceable on a client in whatever new market you work on. And it'd be worth spending some funds on getting good local advice on your terms so they can be enforced locally. Also, if possible, pitch for some funds up front. Not as hard as you might think it is in many international markets. Secondly, be prepared to change your working hours. You must remember that you are there to support the clients, so they can't be expected to march to your tune on when calls can happen. So be prepared to spend some time working at odd hours. The best way to target your market is to be able to work the same hours. This could mean starting at 4pm UK time if you're targeting the west coast of the US, or even 3am or earlier if you're looking at places in Asia. There are some risks for international business, and you need to be prepared for them. But overall, the benefits far outweigh them. And if your goal is a million pound year, I would suggest looking internationally would be a great idea. And topic two, sell by learning from Google and big sports to improve your fees. I was part of a webinar on pricing strategies this week. It's one of the key areas of recruitment, especially if you're looking to get a million pound year. If you can keep margins high in spite of pressure for competition and your client, then the number of sales you need to make to deliver your targets goes down. Wouldn't you prefer to place less and earn more in a year? Obviously, the answer to this is always yes. I mean, one placement, a million pound fees, and done and off to the beach? Yep, can't be in. Seriously, though, how often have you dropped rates to get a role? Far too often, we as consultants take the easy route by dropping margins to get the work. I know, I've done it. I fully understand how that can be a drive when you're starting up a new business or new to recruitment and looking to get your own business off the ground inside of an agency. Or just when you want to keep hold of a good client in the pressure of a PSL review or other cost-based initiative. So what can we learn from Google? Google hires 5,000 people a year from over 3 million applicants, most of it via their own in-house teams. So no option for recruitment agencies there, unfortunately. But the key part of their model that we can learn from to help our recruitment is they focus on hiring only the best people. And they focus on the process to ensure that those people are the best options. Google spends a great deal of time reviewing those millions of candidates to ensure that they are thoroughly tested and reviewed before any hiring manager even speaks to a candidate. That way, the hiring manager knows that they are speaking to the top two or three candidates in the pipeline, and then it's just a case of working out who's the best fit. 
So why don't we as agents work on that as a model? We have access to all the candidates. We can review the market for a client. There are hundreds of tests that are available to screen and select possible prospective candidates against the client's needs. We could be doing far more for our clients. We could be offering them a Google-level search process for their new hire. They can start to hire the top person in the market rather than anyone who fits the bill and is prepared to accept an offer. The fact is we are consultants, and if we are consultants, we need to be paid for a service that adds value. Take that into another analogy. If any of you are sports fans, when someone leaves your team, the board or manager or hiring group will try to replace that person with someone the same or better, or indeed, when they're looking to improve, grow or develop, they might not remove a player, but rather simply look for someone better, viable figures and stats, and then they'll buy that person in. What the sports teams and Google have in common is they factor in the full cost of hiring. They look at what good people deliver and what poor workers cost by way of loss of work or training or coaching efforts or loss of prize money. And then they work out that it's easier to make a good person better than it is to make a bad person good. In the case of sports, the costs are easy to see as there is simply a lack of success or relegation. In business, they can be harder to see. But when you work with your clients and ask them to factor in the benefit and profits brought by good people and the difference to somebody who doesn't perform, then add in the costs of training and removal and rehiring, and it will soon add up to a significant reasons to invest in making sure they hire the best options. Sports teams in most big money sports do this via agents. Why? It's not like these people aren't already out there. I mean, you only have to turn on your TV to see them. And I suspect that most chairmen, owners, etc., could easily get hold of the number of the star players should they want to. So why come to agents? Well, to make life easier, basically. To make it easier for both sides. The players can have someone speaking for them on their behalf on things like salary, someone who doesn't need to work with the company in due course. The people at the sports team also have many other roles to conduct. The manager and coach has a whole team to continue coaching. The owner, GM, etc. has to run the actual business. Therefore, if they were to spend the amount of time needed to sort out all the issues on one player, they simply wouldn't be able to do the rest of their jobs. This is the same in any of your clients. Sure, all the people are out there. Any company can get onto LinkedIn or any number of the job boards. And we all know that most of those job boards are prepared to drop their prices to clients so they can cut out the agency middleman. But the people hiring have other roles and other priorities. They don't have the time for the sort of truly deep search we discussed earlier. They need help and they need to ensure that they can secure the best people. If you can truly sit with clients and discuss that with them, they should be more open to you delivering a full solution at a higher price. Sure, there's more work for you in it, but as we said at the start, if you can make less placements and make more money, isn't the extra investment from you worth it as well? If you know where to look and who to ask, there are many options open to you to reduce some of the parts of the process. So thanks very much for listening to today's Million Pound Biller Coffee Break podcast. I hope you got something out of that. If there are any thoughts and other ideas you'd like to throw to me, please hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram as Million Pound Biller. In the next week, you're also going to hear from the Million Pound Biller podcast, our first interview from somebody who's been there, done it, and has definitely bought the T-shirt. We've got Mike Ames coming on next week onto our longer form podcast. Mike's built and sold two companies for millions of pounds, so he's got a lot of good ideas and thoughts to share with you. And I'll be back next Friday with our Million Pound Villa Coffee Rate podcast. So see you next week. Mm-hmm.